words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. Radio Shack stopwatch is counting, and that means all is well. <laughs> and, uh, we want to say hi, welcome to Blind Like Me, and welcome to Nancy Lynn. You never did give me a last name. Well, um, uh, my last name is Lynn, uh, but like I tell people, I'm still looking for somebody to give me a last name. Oh, you're, you're, but your last name is Lynn. Uh, it's my last name is Lynn. Well, all right. We'll go with that. Nancy Lynn. I thought that was probably a middle name and that you were using or something. Um, but anyway, welcome to Blind Like Me, and you're in St. Louis. That's correct. I was just telling her I was born in St. Louis at, on uh, Belt Avenue. In St. Louis, 64 years ago, actually 64 and a half years ago now, on a cold, rainy October morning. And uh, were you born there? Were you from St. Louis? Uh, no, I'm actually from uh, Philadelphia, or the Philadelphia area uh, of Pennsylvania. I, I was born in Philly. I, I... We've got lots of people on our list from, we have a, seem to me, we have more people on that list that were on the Blind Like Me list. Right. That you're on also? Yeah. That from, from Pennsylvania than anywhere else. I, I don't know why, but there are more Pennsylvanians on that list for some reason. Uh, I can't explain it, and I'm sure you can't either. No, I have no clue. No. Anyway, you were born in Philadelphia, and uh, were you? how did you lose your eyesight? Were you born this way? Um, I was one of those uh, preemies. Uh, I was one of those RLS babies. Um, in the 50s, I was born in 52, and I was, I understand, I really was uh, was not that premature, but for some reason I was I had trouble breathing, and they stuck me in an incubator, and, you know, and here I am. And they gave you too much oxygen. They gave me too much oxygen, and... Yeah. And did some, did some kind of damage to the, I guess, to the retina of the eye, and... Um, somebody, people have asked me, you know, was I born blind or could I, do I remember seeing anything? And I, I was kidding around. I love to kid, kid people and mess with people. And I said, oh yeah, I remember the inside of the incubator. <laughs> and they, they believed me. That was the scary part. Sure they would believe you. They would Nancy wouldn't lie to them, would they? Would no, you? No. Not. Uh, but you actually have never seen anything. You've never. Um, well, I used to be able to see colors and light. Now. 
I can tell day from night, but that's about it. I don't. Have, I can't tell colors anymore. Well, yeah, but knowing colors would help a lot. I would think that's what I don't know because I, I was. Everybody knows me. That knows I was born like I've never seen colors. So, but I, I think knowing having some concept of colors would. I don't know how it would help, but it seems like it would. Uh, you think? Well, when people talk about green or blue, or I know what that. I remember. Yeah, you know what they're kind of what they're talking about. Whereas yeah. I don't. And. Uh, your parents, uh, they, uh, how did they, I guess they, you have siblings, you have brothers and sisters? No, I'm the only child of my parents. Um, and what, what I mean when I say that is yeah. my mother uh, died in 1975 and my father remarried and I do have step sisters and brothers. Yeah, but you—you were—you were a grown woman when your mother died. Yes, you were yeah, 23, 23 years old. So you weren't raised with it. You were raised as an only child. Yes. Did they not have other children because you were blind? Do you think? Or, no, or? they said they wanted other kids. It just—in fact, we took in foster kids when I was a little kid. So, so I'd have some idea of what it would be like to have brothers and sisters. I um, think that's good. Yeah, I, I, it, was. You know. it was a good thing. I think I learned a lot. In fact, I learned some practical things from a couple of foster kids uh, that were sister, foster sisters. They taught me the print alphabet. Really? Which I which helped a lot when I went to learn the Opticon. Yeah. Sure, which would, because I couldn't use an Opticon because I don't know the print alphabet. Yeah, well, they would teach it to you if, if you were going to. But I already yeah. I knew it. I knew the capital letters anyway. And then yeah. uh, they gave me these little tiles. The back of which was the small letter, and the front. So it was easy to teach myself one from the other. Sure. Once you learned, once you learned what one side was, you could learn. You could the learn that. Yeah. yeah, that would that would be neat. I'd like to have a set of those. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I don't know. TSI had them. I don't know if you can if you can get them anymore. But my my parents uh, they had my brother, oh, ten years older than me, and then they waited seven years, and they had my sister who had perfect sight, and they decided, well, it won't never happen again. So they had another child, and sure enough, here I am. Oh, but, uh, so you, you have know, an older brother that's blind. Well, I had an older brother. He's he's deceased now, but uh -huh. I had a 10-year-old. My brother was 10 years older than me. And uh, so my parents, like I said, waited seven years. So uh, you, and I guess that's my watch. And so your your formative years, early years, were spent in Philadelphia? In actually, well, in Philadelphia, uh, or Levittown, Pennsylvania, actually was a suburb. Okay. But, but, but I went to the St. Lucie School for the Blind, which was, and not a residential school. There was a day school, but it was uh -huh. two-hour-long commute each way to school. So my school day would begin about six in the morning and wouldn't end till about five thirty or six that night. So, but they put all the blind children in this in St. Louis and St. Greater St. Louis area in this school. No, I was not in St. Louis. I was in Philly. You, you, oh, that's right, Philly. I'm sorry. They put all the Philadelphia kids in this one school. Well, no, a lot of kids went to Overbrook. I just, yeah. My parents never wanted me to go away. They never wanted me at a residential school. So oh, yeah. They um, had me. There were, there were, of course, other blind kids at St. St. Lucie, uh, St. Lucie School. There, that's, it was a school for the blind, but it was not residential. Yeah, so but at least you got to go home every night. I and got to go home every night. Eat yeah. Mama's home cooking and uh, That's right. uh, have her wash your clothes and yep. you were around your parents, which I think is a is the best of situations if it can be. Well, I, I know there's an ongoing discussion about that. I, uh, for me, yes. Now I, I do realize that some people did better at schools for the blind. I don't know. I I never 
I, I, I don't. I can't compare. Of course, I can't go back. Because you didn't go to a school for the blind. I didn't go to residential school for the blind. I can't yeah. say. Mm-hmm. I used to have. I used to have opinions that have now changed since I've met other people. I used to have different opinions about how you could. Well, I won't. I used to have different opinions that have now changed since I've met other people. I'll just. Well, I'm the same way. I, I used to have different opinions that I had until I started doing this show. Okay. Uh, I, I would have said. Uh, before I started doing this thing a year and a half, two years ago, I would have said unequivocally that going to public school was by far the best. Now I'm not sure. Um, I'm not positive that's true. Well, exactly. Uh, I, I don't. I just would have said it. I, my, now I guess my opinion is that it's whatever works for each individual person is what works. <laughs> well, we're, we're supposed to keep learning and growing, and obviously, right. obviously we are. Okay, so they started teaching you Braille when you were five or six years old, yep. little Nancy. Little Nancy Joe. Going to Nancy Joe. Uh-huh. Nancy Joe Lynn just started going to school and learning new Braille. You good at that Braille? I'm not a fast Braille reader. I could tell you some funny misre- times when I've misread words that. But uh, I'll say. Well, that. tell us one. We're always up for humor here. Uh, well, uh, oh, let me think of one that's clean. I have one that's, <laughs> that's clean. Huh? What do you mean one that's clean? What do you, go ahead. We can we can handle a little a little. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'll tell you the one I'm thinking. The funniest one, and okay. you can decide whether you want to stick this in the show or not. Okay. Uh, I was reading a I was reading a braille menu at a restaurant. And let me see, how can I, let me put it this way. Um, I was looking at this brown menu. Fortunately, I was not reading out loud. And I thought they served, um, well, I thought they served vagina is what I thought they served. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, you, yeah, I told you to clean that up. Well, we'll we'll clean that up. That's that's okay. They uh, they it's uh, that out. Well, you should have you, you, you snapped that it was Virginia baked. That's a, uh, exactly. Virginia, but that's uh, yeah, that's poor braille readers. That's why I never read them. That's, well, I have the, my wife read them to me, uh, so that I won't make mistakes like that. Right, exactly. Um, um, that's pretty funny. Of course, now. Well, if I went back and looked at the word again, I, I realized that I missed. So I can, it's not, I can go back yeah. and look and say, oh, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> so I can figure um, that uh, that maybe um, that's not what it is. So I, I, yeah. But I, clues like that make me realize that I need to pay attention to what I'm reading. In. So Braille is not your first medium of choice. I mean, it wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't read a book in Braille anymore. You don't do that. I would if, if I had to. If, that's, if, that, if I wanted to read the book... Um, and that was the only way it was out. I couldn't get You'd, it. Uh, you do it. I'd rather read on tape. I'd rather listen to something read to me, like that. Then, then read braille. Then read okay. Braille, yeah. But you, but you began in school, and they start teaching you math oh, and sure. the normal things they teach you. And there were other other blind children there, but still, you were around some sighted kids. Also, there were no sighted kids there. Well, oh. actually, they they did have us go um, over to there was a school across the street, St. Francis de Sales School. And as the, the older the kids got, the more classes you did over there. So actually, I was around some sighted kids uh-huh. uh, at that time at the school. But mainly, I went to school because uh, we left. I, we moved to New Jersey when I was ten. I was going to be ten that October, and we went. I started in fifth grade in public school. In 
public school. Yeah. I only went to St. Lucie's from kindergarten to the end of fourth grade. And now, in, the, in just a regular public school that was much closer to your house or what? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was like five, ten minutes away from the house. And it was a public school where I was the only blind kid. And the New Jersey Commission for the Blind had itinerant uh, education counselors. And so they would come around and talk to you every, every day or every week? Well, or once in a while. They had, no, I, I forget. Maybe once a week or once a month. Yeah, because we were getting in then. It was early 60s, and we were getting into mainstreaming uh, ch uh, blind children. That was a right. big deal back then. Yeah. You know? So you, and you went to public school, and uh, and 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 uh, your folks stayed in uh, in uh, that's in uh, Philadelphia or close there? All, well, all in your New Jersey. In South Jersey, in South Jersey, and, and they uh, they stayed there through all your schooling. Uh huh. Oh yeah. And you graduated. My father still lives there. Graduated high school from this public school. From from Florence Township High School. Yep. Large large school. Lots of kids. Uh, well, uh, certainly larger than St. Louis, St. Lucie, but um, it was uh, about four hundred kids. Um, so it was yeah. maybe a hundred kids and about a hundred kids in each class. Uh -huh. I don't mean classroom. I mean you know. Did you classroom. did you did you do all right there? I mean, were oh, you? Yeah, I did fine. In fact, um, I was um, in. Let's see, I, I was in the color guards uh, for a football. Game. I used to help march the banner onto the field. Really. Uh huh. There was a sighted kid the other end. I just followed her, and we carried the banner, the Florence Township banner, onto the field. And so she would have one end, and you would have the other. And yep. you you would know which way she was walking, oh, yeah. so you would just walk her. along with her. Yep. Uh -huh. And you'd assume that she'd kind of watch out and not run you into a post or. Anything. I never. Yeah, I just never. She never did. She I don't never remember ever bumping into. I mean, we just walked, just followed her, and we walked the the, the uh, ahead of the uh, the band and the color guards. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that they let you do that. Uh, oh yeah, there were a lot of people let me participate all the, all the way through my life. There's been a lot of. Um, People that have allowed me to participate in lots of different things. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the deal: is getting sighted people to understand that you can if they'll let you. That's you know? right. That's, yeah. that's kind of part of the deal. So you were happy in high school to make some made some friends. I made uh, friends. I uh, yeah, I loved high school. I liked my high school. Were there other blind kids there in the high school? Nope, uh, I was the only blind kid in the school. Only blind. So your parents made a decision at at, at the end of the fourth grade that you needed to go to regular school. Somebody. Well, uh, they needed to. I, I, what what they were told, what doctors told them was that they better either move closer to the school or or do something to uh, lessen the two-hour commute each way. So that, they thought because I, I was not, I was very, I guess you would say today, stressed out. That was driving you crazy. That long that was commute. driving me. They were saying they warned them uh, they would have serious problems with me if they didn't. So they said, "Well, we better, you know, we better move." We better move. We better something about it. So we moved. They moved to New Jersey, and uh, yeah, they so I could go to school yeah. right in the my own hometown. Well, and and for you, it worked out. Uh, it worked, worked out quite well, didn't it? Worked out great for me. Yeah, I uh, loved it. Yeah, all right, now I'll tell you what. Let's do. Let's take a, a little short break, then we'll talk about your a little more about high school and get you into uh, to college and uh, what you studied and and where you, how you how you did that, what you thought you wanted to be in life. Nancy Lynn is our guest. Back with more of the Blind Like Me show in just a second. My name's Donna. 
And for the past five years, I've lived up here in the cold country, Rochester, Minnesota. I'd love to move love to a warmer is place. Blind. But, you know, the audio magazine you know for singles. Anyway, I'm around 32 years old, give or take a couple of years, and never been married. Oh, come close once or twice, but things just didn't work out. If you'd like more information about this exciting new magazine, phone toll-free 1-877-2220-679. That's 1-877-2220-679. Or you can receive the same information as an email. Our address is loveisblind, all one word, at blindlikeme.com. That's loveisblind at blindlikeme.com. Blind Sites. Here's a website our crack research team certifies screen reader friendly. Now, with this week's Blind Sites, here's Tim Cummings. Over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of improvements in synthetic speech. Well, one of the neat sites that I found is called sepstral.com, www.cepstral.com, and they have some downloadable software speech synthesizers that you can buy that are very human-sounding, and they've got all different types. They've got about three or four American English synthesizers with male and female voices. They've got Spanish, German, French, and some of them are quite good. You can purchase one of these synthesizers for $30 and use it on your system to read if you want to read books on your computer or whatever you want to do or use it for your everyday speech synthesizer needs. I would give the website a screen reader friendliness rating of a 9. For Blind Sights, I'm Frank, one of the Capstral Voices, saying, keep on websiting. If you found a screen reader friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blindlikeme, all one word, at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sights. I see your heart too is an open book I'm Phil Parr, back with Nancy Lynn, English in St. Louis, Missouri, and more of our little show called Blind Like Me. And uh, we've gotten you in, in high school. You uh, you participated in, uh, in the, you said, the color guard. Is that what they called it? Right. And, you and, uh, and I was also in the chorus of the high school musical productions. I, would, I, I didn't ever have the solo part. I didn't have any. I kind of would hide in the, in the background, but I was there. And I participated and went to rehearsals and did learn yeah. what I needed to learn. Learned the choir parts by heart. Uh, well, I uh, yeah, I learned, yeah, I learned. By memory, I mean, by ear. By memory, and, uh, and pretty much learned mostly by listening to everybody else keep singing it and singing it until I learned it. Yeah. Till you had it down in your head and you knew when the choir was when it was time for the choir to stand up, you could you could tell what they were doing by the oh, people around you. By people around me, yeah, I yeah. listened to what they were doing. Or if, and if I needed it, somebody would give me a nudge. Yeah, if you if you didn't exactly know if they were marching or moving or walking or doing something, yeah. somebody you could put your hand on someone's shoulder and yeah. did you play an instrument in band or not? No, no. You I didn't do played. that. No. 
uh, and they had a football team, and um, I guess you weren't a cheerleader. I, I don't know of any blind cheerleaders. <laughs> no, I wanted, actually wanted to be, but that that's something that, that we didn't, nobody thought I could do. And I was like, okay, we, we, they did find me a place to participate, so that was good. So yeah, that was good, and uh, and you did high school, and and what did you think in your high school years? What did you think you might want to do the rest of your life? Um, I wanted to work with people. I wanted to do something to do with psychology or sociology. I ended up, well, when we get, to, I majored in sociology in college. Yeah. Just let me ask you one question: Did you date any in high school? Um, not any of the guys that were there. Uh, for I did go to my junior and senior proms. My junior prom, we got a friend of the family to take to take me to the prom. My friend, a friend my own age. Um, my senior prom, I actually had a sort of a boyfriend uh, that I went with. When I met at camp, I went. I did at the summertime went to Camp Marcella, which is a camp done by the commission for the for blind kids. And I met a guy there from Camden, New Jersey, and so senior year, he took me to my senior prom. And he, he was also blind. He was blind, but he went with me, and we went with my with we went with his sister and her boyfriend. So we kind of double dated uh -huh. to my senior prom. Well, was he? He was not in your school. He was older. He was. He was in Camden, somewhere in Camden, New Jersey. I, don't, I guess he went to Camden High or something. Uh, and so you double dated with them, and they took you in, and they they drove you there and brought you home, and oh yeah, and all that kind of thing. Well, at least you got to go to your. Oh yeah, oh no, it was really my mother didn't. My mother really made sure I didn't miss much as a kid. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's the way to you know if you I went to school with so many kids that were babied so much it, it you know and and that doesn't work you need to no. let no. your blind child uh, ramble and roam and do whatever they they're going to get hurt but so are sighted kids don't worry about it yeah. all right high school over you wanted to get into psychology so what did you do you took the summer off and started college that fall or what I started college that fall at Lycoming College in Williamsport Pennsylvania about 1970 71 1970 yeah I graduated. Yeah. Yep. Didn't have any computers then. Nope. No Braille and Speaks or Braille Lights or any of that. None of that stuff. So you were, you were going to have to do your textbooks in Braille or have a reader. I had or well, recording for the blind. I used recording for the blind's textbooks on on tape. They weren't even on cassette at that time. They were on open reels. Yeah, I've heard about that. That was yeah. That was not fun. But um, I a lot of time, a lot of times I just use readers. I was never good with the open reel tape. I'd always have trouble getting it on or off or whatever. So I was cassettes were a great invention when I cassettes were a great invention. Period. Yes, uh, they for, were for all of us, really. So much easier. Uh, oh yeah, so much, so much, uh, so much easier for blind people to expect you to just put them in and yeah. and um, yeah, let of it course. roll. Yeah. All right, so you started college. This was at a little uh, community college of some yeah, two years. College is a four-year liberal arts. School oh. in the mountains of Pennsylvania. I think now they're called Lycoming University. Uh -huh. But at, at the time, they were still just Lycoming wow. people. All right, and this was the end of Vietnam. Um, Richard Nixon was president, and uh, you you wanted to be a uh, psychology. You were a psychology major? Sociology? Well, I started out with psychology, ended up majoring in sociology instead. I wanted to be a social worker, but really but i didn't know that they i didn't know that for one thing like homing didn't have that as a degree number one and number two i didn't really know that there was a separate degree mm -hmm. in sociology and social work i didn't 
realize they were two separate degrees. So I took sociology, and it was I took a lot of interesting courses. Like what? Um, deviant behavior. I studied various um, deviant behavior. Yeah, I would think I that would be abnormal psychology, which was the psychology side of it. I would think uh, I would think th those would be interesting to me. I'd like to take yeah. those. Uh, yeah. To try to kind of figure out how the human mind works. Right, yeah. And maybe how your mind works. Exactly. It's maybe how you are. That's, that's, that's what I was going to say. A lot of people that go into psychology do it to try to kind of figure out what, why they're thinking. Or to, to maybe not straighten themselves out, but to kind of figure themselves out. Right. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And so you did a four-year degree. How long did it take you four years to do it? Are you doing yep, four years? Four years to do it. Um, I graduated in May of 1974. As a, as a, as a, you said, a psychology or sociology major? Sociology. A sociology major. Which means you can do what? Which means you can... Well, which means I can pretty much say, hey, you want fries with that? <laughs> <laughs> Except I don't know what this, what this sociology degree actually qualifies me to do. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that, that's, of course, there was no place to say you want fries with that back no, then, was there? That's true. I couldn't even get one of those jobs. You know, we owned, at, when I first met my wife, We they owned a little restaurant here in town, a little burger place here in town. Uh. We lost it, or we didn't lose it. We sold it in about 92 or 3. But I always thought I would like to go down there and cook the dinner rice, the lunch, the lunch rice, cook hamburgers, because it was a huge grill. I think I could have done it just to see if I could, but I, I never, I, you know, it's something you always, I always thought it would be there, and sure enough, they sold it in 93, and I don't have that chance anymore, but I believe I could have, I believe I could have done that. Not that that would be a, a job you'd want to encourage blind people to take, but I, you know, anyway, so you, you got out of college, and it was time now to find a job, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, that summer, I did two things. To, to get ready to find a job, I went to Leader and got my first dog. Okay. Um, her name was Dinah, and she was a lab, black Labrador retriever. And I, I had her for 10 years. You've been using was, a cane up until then, right? Yeah, I used cane, yeah. Okay. So, uh, then I also went out to TSI out in California to get trained with the Opticon. Okay. And um, so that the, I figured those two things would have me ready for employment, maybe a little more ready than maybe the average person would be. Um, I thought the Opticon would give me access to print. Well, it did give me access to something. Sure it did. Somewhat. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so we did that. And then in August, I was ready for employment. However, I never found employment uh, very readily, but I was... I, at least it was ready. At least you could have worked somewhere. Of course, the, the Opticon, when you think about it, was a major breakthrough at that time. was a wonderful. As primitive as they seem to me now, uh, they were a major breakthrough then to allow right. blind people to read the print page. Yeah. I talked to a lady the other day, you may, a lady named Mary Emerson the other day, who uses, still reads her computer screen with an, opt, with an Opticon. Oh. And uh, that's, her, that's her choice. She's got three or four of them. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, and she I reads because she does the computer screen. So it looks like that'd be difficult to me, but she, I but, would think so, but yeah. she likes it, and that's what she does. Anyway, you you learned the Opticon. You had a dog. You were ready to go to work, and you started applying at what for what sorts of jobs? Well, all and all kinds of different things. I uh, one of the things I, I applied to to do. I sent 
applications or resumes or whatever to colleges. I wanted to I wanted to stay in the college life for uh, a while, so I wanted to work in the admissions office at a college. Okay. But they, you know, that never panned out. They said um, they one s- of the things I did about a year or so after. I uh, the state of New Jersey thought I might want to work in a vending stand. So for a whole month, I worked at this guy's vending stand in in Trenton. Uh, right. Worked in a caf- basically just worked in the cafeteria. You know, he taught me a bunch of stuff about how cafeteria works. Work. Mm-hmm. So I worked in the, in the vending stand for. A but you month. didn't exactly need a degree in sociology to do that, now, it, did it, you? It, it really. I, I mean, after a while, I wasn't worried about whether I used my degree or. I did just want to. At that time, I just wanted a job. So, doing doing anything. Got a job. You yeah, just... anything that would pay me money, basically. Because you wanted to be independent. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be able to move away from home, uh-huh. et cetera. So, at this time, you were still living at home. I was, yes, I was still living at, uh, at home in New Jersey yeah. Yeah, with my parents. So you cast about uh, looking for a job. The Commission for the Blind said, well, come, come and be a, a vending stand operator. You didn't like that. No, uh, I didn't, well, I didn't really like, like working in a ca- cafeteria. And I don't think I learned a lot about running a business really i think i he i think he just got a you know a glorified cafeteria worker out of me for a month but yeah it and was they, good and it was something to do for a month and they probably paid him to train you exactly and so yeah, he got exactly. the money and he got the work so he got it they paid paid me one time to try to teach a, a boy how to be a disc jockey at a radio station i was working they paid me a salary or paid me so much money to do that and then the radio station ended up paying him i just i just taught him the board and put him on the air like you would any any other kid okay you know and but yeah. and we got a little extra money for doing that anyway so you did that a while but you didn't care for that right obviously no and then and then i did that in october and November was when my mother died. She was real. My mother was one that was real into the vending thing. She wanted it. She kind of wanted it. She wanted it to work with me with it, and it would be my stand, but she'd help me with the books and even yeah. the cooking. And So she was the one that was real into it. But then she died, and I wasn't real into it myself. Uh-huh. So, and then I just, um, then I just kept looking for jobs, and I still lived with my father until 19... 19- 70, no, early 1978, actually, uh-huh. when I moved to Florida, moved to Jacksonville, Florida. Just on your own? or what? what I, why would... I knew this. Uh, I had gone to a couple. Meantime, all along this time, I had gone to a couple of NFB conventions. Uh-huh. And I met this lady in uh, New Orleans who said, you know, well, she invited me down to visit and like that. And she said that if I were able to move to Jacksonville, she'd help me find work. Okay. Uh, so I said, well, okay, let's go. I'll, uh, you know, I want to, I'll do this. I'll, I'll she was a blind lady? No, she was sighted. Oh, she sighted. She could draw, so she could help me. She could drive me around to interviews. She, she could really help. She could actually help. Yeah. All right, Jacksonville, Florida. So okay. I said, all right, I'll move to Jacksonville, Florida then. And we got her, we got me an apartment that my, by that time I had gotten my social security disability. Uh-huh. We managed to make it work so that I could I could do this. And this was and my no... father helped me some with money, okay, like that. And so I was able to do that. And finally, even in Florida, I didn't get very far. But finally, in '79, now in the summer of '79, I got a part-time job working at a place called Independent Living. What was it called? I Lab Independent Living for Adult Blind. 
Uh-huh. That's what it was. And I was the junior, now get this, I was a junior clerk. Now, there was no senior clerk. So, I would, but I was, they still called me the junior clerk. It was a part-time job from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Okay, what did you do? Typing and answering the phones and like that, typing uh, progress reports on various clients. And answering the phones. That's basically what I did. Now, they would, these progress reports would come on some sort of dictaphone or something? They were on dictaphone or on, sometimes they just use a tape recorder. And I just, just stop mm-hmm. and type and stop, and, you know. Now, what, were, what was there, what were they trying to do for adult blind people? Uh, they were a community-based rehab agency. They were teaching them uh, daily living skills. There was somebody teaching them mobility, somebody teaching them uh, Braille. There was another blind guy that worked as a Braille teacher. Um, teaching them different, yeah, basically. Th- this was blind people who had maybe lost their eyes later in life? Yeah, or they were mostly mm-hmm. older, blind, uh, so, you know, they, they taught them as best they could. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, All right, so, and, but they hired you as a as a um, uh, clerk there, clerk, to attend yeah, to, I guess, I guess they were probably non-profit depending on grant money or something? Yeah, exactly, and they were part of the Florida Junior College. But at least it was a job. It was a job. And it was something you could do fairly well. Of course, you were you were typing on a typewriter. You didn't know whether you were typing or not. You just assumed the thing was working. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember whether that ever happened to me that I typed a whole thing that didn't. But I'm sure it could have happened. <laughs> I've talked to people who've done that. Yeah, a whole, I've certainly heard stories like that, but I don't think that ever happened to me. Typed assignments and then realized that the, the typewriter... Wasn't, uh, wasn't functioning. So, so you worked that a while. That's and drawing your drawing your disability. That's that wasn't a bad life, was it? No, it was, it was okay. It was pretty good actually. And then, uh, but then they ended the job. They actually changed the whole job around. I don't know in, Septem- in September of seventy nine. I guess I started working there in August of seventy eight. Okay, because yeah. it ended in September of seventy nine. Okay. Right. And then I then I wasn't. Um, I wasn't unemployed for a while, and uh, in 1980, I moved uh, to Detroit for a little while. Uh, that wasn't—I was, only moved there, lived there for like six months. Uh-huh. And uh, why in the world would you move to Detroit? Um. Well, because I didn't really know anybody in Jacksonville, Florida. I knew, and I knew people in Detroit. And so, so you thought you'd go try Detroit? I thought I'd go try. Detroit. Still casting about, trying to figure out. Where to go and what to do. Yeah. 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 So then I moved, but that didn't work out quite. It was too cold, I guess. It was oh, freezing it would be. up there. It be horrible. It was, yeah. So I went home. I went back and lived with my father and stepmother uh-huh. in the December of 1980 until September of 82. And then in September of 82 is when I moved into Philadelphia in Park Towers, uh, which is a, is a building, a subsidized building mm-hmm. uh, for... Well, basically for blind, disabled, elderly, anybody. Okay. Um, in Philadelphia. But you were still and a young lady. You were just thirty. That's right. I was. I moved in September, and I was just turned thirty in October. Yeah, you still had lots of good years. You didn't need to be around all those old people, did no. you? No. Well, but I found other. I I joined Toastmasters a little, uh, not right away, but I joined Toastmasters, uh-huh. and I did. I don't know if you remember this back in the 70s. It was the tail end of it, but I did the old S training. No, I don't know. You, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, um, remember S E S T? The um, I think they called it Earhart seminar training. 
Um, it, was a, it was a big thing back in the 70s. A lot of celebrities did it, and I had heard about it, and I had not. It, it's, a, it's kind of like about discovering what's possible for yourself. Okay. Kind of, kind of like you could call it self-help, I guess, or self-improvement, I suppose. Like Dale Carnegie course? Well, a lot deeper than that because it really does take you. I'd say it goes a lot deeper than has you look a lot deeper into yourself than something like Dale Carnegie. This is okay. Wisdom. It was, first of all, very long, uh, very long days, and um, uh, for two weekends and an evening is what it was. And you learned to do this, or you took this course? I took or... this course. Okay. And then I stayed participating. They have a lot of things that uh, graduates could do, like seminars, and I did. This is where I did that. I told you I did a, um, uh, a thing that involved a three-part ropes course. Um, uh, they offered a thing called the Six Day. That's, it was called that because they, I guess they couldn't think of another name for it, and it took six days to do it. Okay. So they called it the Six Day. And on one of the days, you you uh, you did a ropes course. You did um, what they called the Tyrolean Traverse. They had a rope. I don't know how it was all set up. I don't know all of the background as to how it was set up, but it was a rope stretched across this canyon, and you were harnessed to it, and you had to pull yourself along, like you were hanging from it, basically, and you pulled yourself along the bottom of it from one end to the other. Well, for what purpose? Why would you do all this? Because it's basically about confronting your fears. I mean, it was pretty scary to do that stuff. But it was about confront that whole day. It was about confront. Was it really over a canyon, across a canyon? Yeah, I'm not sure how. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Let me put it this way. I'm not sure I would have wanted to fall off of it. That's was there a safety net? Oh yeah, there was plenty of safety features taken. Um, uh, you were you were belted in and hooked. In, you were hooked on and belted in and uh, whatever, whatever. I mean, they, they did all kinds of safety. They made sure you were totally safe. And you pulled yourself with your hands you across yourself. this. You were, you were laying like face up. And you and you were pulling yourself along. The rope was like above your head, above your face, like. And you would yeah. pull yourself hand over hand across this canyon. How deep it was, I'm not sure, but it was it was yeah. And then and then you got to the other side. That was just one part of it. The worst part of it for me that wasn't even all that bad. The worst of it was the rappelling. I had to rappel down the side of a mountain. Um, that was. Uh, very scary. Now, how did you do that? Very carefully. As well, I'm sure, very carefully. But with um, you, you, you did it with ski poles or with. Well, um, no, you you sat. You were on the rope. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to picture how I did. you you were sitting on this with this rope, kind of like under you, and you had to. You did it with you. You used your feet to walk walk your feet uh-huh. down the side of this mountain, and of course you were again harnessed in. Everywhere you needed to be harnessed in, and on and all and that. And people were watching you do this. Oh yes! Oh, there were. Pl- oh yes! There were many people around. This a is lot of, this... a lot of assistance, a lot of uh, a lot of other participants. And again, in this six-day group, I was the only blind person that did this. Boy, and they thought I was weird for getting high back in the seventies and eighties. Oh, I did that too. But we won't. <laughs> that's the, that's the nutsiest stuff I've ever heard. Going across the canyon on your uh, laying uh, in this deal. I mean, to what end? To confronting to, to your confront, fears. I mean, the idea of all of this is to confront. If you can, the idea is if you can confront your fear of this, whatever this would be, this part, then you can deal with you can deal with your other other fears. 
of, let's say, public speaking or, okay. or you know, it's about confronting your fear in life and, and about get, doing those things that you're most afraid to do, if nothing else, to show yourself and everyone else that you can be afraid yeah. of something, even literally terrified of something, and do it. Well, there were many nights when me and Jack Daniels confronted my fears, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, and well, there, no, the, I still may have a night or two fear <laughs> confronting, okay. uh, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh, That's yeah. the wildest cool. thing. I've, I've never heard of anything like that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I was. I totally missed this. Oh yeah. Any of you, this. Uh, <laughs> it's they don't offer it anymore. They don't. Uh, it's I can understand why. Uh, well, right. actually, from what I understand, the safety record they have a better safety record than NASA. They were. More, I mean, I think I only <laughs> understand one person. All in all, the time that they did this program, uh, died. Like actually died of of anything, and that person did not get hurt on the ropes course. Uh, they had a. They probably had a heart attack before it even started. Um, yeah, but uh, no, they've got a, they had a better safety record than NASA. I mean, how many people right. have NASA lost? All right, we have you to about age okay. thirty, so we have twenty years unaccounted for, and twenty minutes to do it in. Okay. <laughs> no, we don't okay. have we don't have we don't have twenty minutes. So let's take a little short break and come back and uh, finish up your life, the story of the life of Nancy Lynn, the St. Louis, Missouri, in just a minute. More blind like me. Hang on. My name's Donna, and for the past five years, I've lived up here in the cold country, Rochester, Minnesota. I'd love to move love to a warmer is place. Love you know, the audio magazine you know for singles. Anyway, I'm around 32 years old, give or take a couple of years, and never been married. Oh, come close once or twice, but things just didn't work out. If you'd like more information about this exciting new magazine, phone toll-free one. 877-2220-679. That's 1-877-2220-679. Or you can receive the same information as an email. Our address is loveisblind, all one word, at blindlikeme.com. That's loveisblind at blindlikeme.com. Back with uh, part three, Blind Like Me, Nancy Lynn is our guest. She now lives in St. Louis, Missouri, but we have her in Detroit, and then you ended up back at home with your stepfather, uh, well, not your stepfather, your father and your stepmother back in Philly? In New Jersey. In New Jersey. Right. Okay. Then I moved to, okay. 
but we're back a little ways. I went to Philadelphia. I lived in Philadelphia when I did all at this uh, at this place that was a home, not a home, but a, a subsidized building. Yeah. It had uh, blind people and some physically handicapped people, and it was a, a subsidized by the state, I suppose, or the federal government. Federal government. Yeah. And they had apartments there, separate apartments, or just oh, a room. Separate apartments. Oh yeah. And so you lived there, and you went and took these weird this weird course. Uh-huh. Uh, which, uh, if you missed the last part of the show, rewind, you'll want to hear about. Uh, and did you think this helped you any? What did you think this Absolutely. did for you? Absolutely. It had me confront all and, and all kinds of fears at the time. I mean, for one thing, I was, I've always been uh, leery of, I've never been a real great mobility traveler, but I figured if I could rappel off a mountain, I could certainly cross Broad Street in Philadelphia. Yeah. So it was kind of like that, you know. It's just, uh, but I... Uh, um, I've, I've still, even to this day, I still participate now. They don't have courses like that now, but I still participate in the company that that uh, that has evolved. I guess you could call it they evolved um, into a company called Landmark Education. What do they do now? Well, they still have courses. They have something called the Landmark Forum, and they actually what they have is this thing called the Curriculum for Living, and it consists of the forum something called the advanced course and something called the uh, self-expression and leadership program and that uh, that's like a three-month program where people take they create they kind of work with you on creating possibilities creating possibilities that you do not now see for yourself but that you certainly would like to have happen okay uh, and um, then then they have you take that possibility and create a project out of it, a three-month-long project. Okay, and before we get too far, this is very esoteric. This is I know, uh, very. I, I, can okay. you? I don't mind. But what, give me an example. Can you? Can you give me an example of what you're, what you're saying? Create a possibility for yourself. So create you want to be a what? Okay, okay like um, creating the possibility of uh, finding and keeping the man of my dreams. Okay. I keep. I, I, I keep generating this. Uh, possibility. Okay. Now, it's not happened yet. And I'm still saying, I'm still standing for that this shall be. Okay. This shall happen. And that, and that's, and I, and I, I'm in seminars and I have, un, I have done a lot of work on myself to, um, get things either out of the way so that this can happen. Um, and like that. Get things like um, let's see what's what's a, okay. I'll get get a thought patterns for example. It could be a good way to describe what I mean. Like, um, uh, oh, it's a good. It's an example of a of a thought pattern. Like, okay, I really here here you go. This is this is what a lot of people do. Okay. I really do want to find the man of my dreams. I just don't want to give up control of my life. Now, mm -hmm. so we don't. That's a thought pattern that oftentimes we don't even realize we have. We just, it's just there in the background running the show. So, like, I don't want to, the thought of, I don't want to give up control of my life or give up control of various aspects of my life, that's going to get in the way of having somebody show up that, that I could be willing to have in my life. In other words, you're trying to get all the excess baggage out of the exactly. way, so when That's so when when it. the That's man it. of your dreams comes along, I'm you ready. will actually be ready for him. Yes. You know, I was. Even, in fact, it's even better than that. He can't even show up until 
Because I won't even see him if he does. I won't yeah. even see him until I'm ready for him. I guess my problem is I was never looking for Miss Wright. I was looking for Miss Wright now. Uh, there you go. Well, I'm, uh, at this point in life, I'll settle for Mr. Right now. <laughs> so, now. So to hell with all this esoteric stuff. Just, you know, mis- it's time for Mr. Right Now. Well, Mr. Right now. you sound like a good candidate for our, you know, we're starting this new magazine called Love is Blind. Did you know about that? Yeah, I, I do know about that. I, um, Yeah. Yeah, well, we, I may we'll, have to. I we, may actually. You may actually have to. Uh, everybody's waiting for the first one to come out. I think it, so. They, before they, before they actually commit, we're going to do the first one. Uh, this is being recorded on the fourth of February, so we're going to put uh, the first one together about a week from today, as a matter of fact. And um, well, let's see. This won't run till this weekend, so that would still give you time. Anyway, uh, so what have you done for the last twenty years? What have you? What have you? What, what other? What else have you well, done? One of the things. Okay, I worked for. I, I let's see, twenty years. I don't know. It just kind of hung out a lot of times. But one of the things for four years and a half, four and a half years, I worked for AT and T as a hearing impaired relay operator. Or actually, I guess that's a kind of a misnomer. I'm yeah. not the one that was hearing impaired. Uh, they were. The callers were. Uh-huh. Uh, I was the person that was, if a hearing impaired person needed to call someone who could hear, okay. they would dial our number, type to us what they wanted to say. Or they, they, first of all, they t- tell us what, they type the directions to us, t- dial this number. You okay, know, and you, this was computer-based. You'd read this with a computer? I'd or? read this with the... I'd, yeah, there was a computer, and I had an Alva uh, Braille display okay. uh, hooked to my computer. And I would, you know, I'd read what they wanted to say to me, or then I'd type, I'd dial it out, get the person on the phone, then read what the deaf person typed, and, and type back to the, that person what the hearing person said. So um, I was now. Oh, wait a minute. Hold it. You would t- you would receive what the deaf person wanted you to do. Dial the number. Dial the number. And you would type to the other person, or just talk to them. I talked to this person. I talked to the person who could who could hear, hear. and speak. Uh huh. And take their words and type their words to the person who was deaf or hearing impaired. I got you. Okay. I got That's what you. I would do, and then back and forth. I was uh-huh. the bridge. I was the bridge between the two of them. All right. And um, so I did that for four years, and I, I keep wanting to say four. I I can't say I loved the job. I I, I didn't really love it, but I, so I actually figured it out. I did it for four years, six months, two weeks, and five days. But it was a job. It was a job, and it paid the best of any any job I've ever had. And uh, you worked in nice, clean conditions under oh, yeah. around uh, nice people and. Well, uh, Around yeah, it's around nice people. Around some nice people, okay. and nice clean conditions, and like that. Yeah. And it was it an eight to five job or no? It was that's one of the things I didn't like about it. It was a twenty you know twenty four seven. You could work. They could schedule you to work at any time of the day or night. Now it was not you were not on call, but your schedule. You get your schedule usually a week in advance. And then that's how you didn't know how you were working beyond that week, beyond the next week or two. So you couldn't really make any plans. No, no. So in effect, they kind of owned your life. I don't know why companies do that because you can't you can't do anything until you find out what your schedule for next week is. No, no. I don't. I don't know. I I really. That's one of the things I definitely didn't like about that job. Was you know, and in fact, I remember one. I think it was October of '95. I started in July of '95. But I guess it was the October. I had to work 
the one night that they changed from daylight saving to standard time. Uh-huh. And I had to work the extra hour. Okay. Uh, of course, they paid us for that extra hour, so that was, that was okay. Sure. But uh, I was really tired by the time that... I worked from 7.30 p.m. that night till what should have been 4 o'clock the next morning. I guess it was 4 o'clock, yeah. But it was actually... became it became uh, 2 o'clock and... It it, 2 you o'clock, had 3 o'clock, two, 2 o'clock. Anyway, I had to work the extra hour. Do you, do you, did you get that... I guess that would have been a Saturday night. That was a Saturday night into Sunday morning, yeah. And so Saturday night, I guess you'd get a lot of calls, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, you would. And sometimes you get people who were too drunk to type anything close to correctly. Oh, uh, yeah, you got a lot of goofy things. Um, but about 2 or 3 in the morning, it kind of would settle down. And you didn't get uh-huh. very many calls. Now, you went to an office and did this? I didn't, yeah, in a... you went to the office. In fact, I moved, at this point, I moved out of the um, subsidized housing. Uh-huh into an apartment that was actually right down the street from where I worked. So you could walk to work? I could walk to and from work, yeah. That was really nice. But it would be kind of a stressful job because you'd, you'd have to really keep up. I mean, you'd have oh, to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of... In fact, I remember when I walked home, even just the short walk home... It, it relaxed me just to walk that, mm-hmm. that little bit of that stress off. But they had the computer set up and the Braille display and all that. Were you the oh, only blind person there doing this? Or no, no, there were a bunch of others of us. Really? Um, yeah. And, that's, and in fact, that's how I found out about the job. Uh, one of the uh, people, uh, the placement specialist at the uh, Pennsylvania, what are they, I don't know what they call it, Pennsylvania anymore, their agency, their agency that served the blind, um, she told me about the job, and it, in fact, I'd heard about it three years before, uh-huh. in '92. But I, they wanted to hire me at, at that time, but I didn't want it because I didn't want to give up my whole life. I didn't like the the idea that I had to be so totally flexible, because at that time I was participating a lot in that landmark education company, where I was doing a lot of volunteer work, mm-hmm. which I found even I found much more fulfilling than. The actual job. Then actually having to go to work and, and uh, punch you. Even though they paid me, they, even though, of course, yeah. AT&T paid me money. Okay, so you did this for about four years, so that takes us to almost 2000, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, it takes yeah. us to February of 2000, when, which is... When you quit the job. Or... Well, we weren't, we didn't quit. I didn't quit. Um, I was, uh, we were downsized. A bunch of us were downsized. One of the contracts, the, see, the relay service is done by state contracts, and they lost the contract for Illinois. And when they lost the Illinois contract, they knew they didn't need a bunch of us. So the day Illinois yeah. went away, so did we. And this was you this is what this is how you got to St. Louis or what? Well indirectly. I just I I knew that I had to leave at some point I knew I was gonna have to leave the apartment that I had because I couldn't afford to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um so I moved, well, I moved to Michigan, but again, that didn't work out. It seems like my time in Detroit never quite works out. Yeah, you've well, been there twice now. Twice, yeah, I tried that. I won't be going back there. Won't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but then I moved from there to Arkansas, and I did stay in Little Rock, Arkansas, for about a year and a half. What did you do there? Um, not much. That's why, I, that's why I left there. I wasn't really doing a whole lot. I did go to LWSB for a couple of days, um, but it was they uh, they 
we're going to like evaluate my my employment skills, and they were supposed to do this for a week, but uh, I actually got sick and couldn't. You didn't you didn't like them, and so they, you no, didn't go I got, back. I actually got a cold. You actually got sick. You're I did copping get sick. out. I got a cold. Right, what, do you, what do you do now? You are you unemployed? I'm unemployed. You're I'm unemployed, unemployed now. Um, uh, but I do participate in uh, my uh, landmark uh, uh, courses, my seminars. So you're still working with these uh, these landmark people who do these weird things. Yeah. 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 I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do the they don't do weird things anymore. They don't. No, they don't. They just do these normal, perfectly normal courses. Like preparing you for Mr. Wright. They're preparing me for Mr. Wright. <laughs> well, um, I wish you a lot of luck. I hope he hope he comes along. Uh, it's uh, it's time for him to show up, though, isn't it? It is time. It is it is getting uh, getting close to time for him to uh, to come around. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe this show will maybe this will be the impetus that will send Mr. Wright to your door. Oh, that would be great. Wouldn't that be great? Wonderful. All right. Well, we're going to go and uh, enjoy visiting with you, and okay. uh, we'll run this in a couple of weeks, and I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know, Nancy, when it uh, when it runs. What's temperature in St. Louis? It's maybe in the 40s by now. That's about what it is in Lufkin, in Lufkin, Texas. Yeah, where's Lufkin? Lufkin is 120 miles north of Houston. Okay. So right. we're in uh, the Bible Belt of Deep East Texas. Nancy, thank you much. Okay. Did you go? Nancy Lynn from St. Louis, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, St. Louis is a kind of different kind of town. They have a St. Louis has a lot of cold weather in the in the winter and uh, very hot weather in the summer. It gets hot in uh, Missouri in the summer, and if you live there, you know that. I anyway, Nancy Lynn from St. Louis, Missouri. You know, uh, as, as when you think when you when you when you. Talked to and we've talked to lots of folks here. This is uh, I don't know number sixty nine or so of these things that we've done. You begin to think that maybe a college education for an intelligent blind person uh, may not be the best thing. I, I don't know. Uh, we can debate that endlessly, just uh, like we can blind schools or public schools or whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening. Don't forget to our magazine, uh, Love is Blind. We have not done the first issue, and we have not because of Tom's illness, because of our friend Tom Houston, who is uh, in the hospital at this point in time and is not able to help me with this magazine, and it's something I can't do by myself. Um, we do intend to... Uh, we do intend to uh, publish a magazine, probably going to be uh, the middle of March before we do. But anyway, um, thanks to you folks who've subscribed, and uh, we'll get you a magazine as soon as we're able. All right? And thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you'd like to be a guest, uh, you can email me at uh, blindlikeme at, uh, let's see, txucom.net, blindlikeme at txucom.net, or at uh, my email address, uh, philpar 
at txucom.net. Either one will get you in touch with me. You can call me, 936-634-9500. Thank you much. We'll see you next week. More Blind Like Me.